0: So we'll notice that if we're able to keep our minds here in the present moment, then we won't be experiencing suffering. So just like us being aware of our breath as it comes in and leaves our bodies, we don't have suffering in our minds when we're doing that. But when we go and allow our hearts, our minds to think and proliferate, uh, recollecting the past or um, imagining the future. This is what enables the heart to experience um, stress. And it's because we're attached uh, to the things of the past and the future. We worry about the future even though these things haven't arrived yet. And even though... These things aren't present. Suffering is present with us because of that worry. So it's just like monks, some monks who go off to stay in very uh, scary forests or in charnel grounds. And they think that tonight a ghost will come and get me. And even though it's not night yet, they're already afraid and they're already suffering because of that thought. Maybe they haven't yet even gone into the cremation forest, but already they're experiencing that fear and terror. Some people even start shaking, and some monks even develop a fever because of it. So for us, we should try to train our minds to not get involved in worry, to not go and be anxious about various issues. And the Buddha taught that um, those who are able to bring peace into their hearts in this present moment to train their minds to stay here and stay present and who have effort in this manner, their lives are more valuable than those who don't have any peace of heart. Even if the life or even just one day of doing this, of having effort to keep our minds in the present moment, is more valuable than someone who lives a 100 years but doesn't have any peace in their minds. So it shows that our hearts bear great value and importance. We can look into the world and see that those people who are, have a genuine interest in the Dharma, are very few. There are many who like to give and be generous. And when we get to the level of sila, of morality, the number drops significantly. But the problem really arises when we start separating things out. When we separate out into groups, into us and them. Or each country um, makes this discrimination of our country and their country. And the people within those countries, the population, um, discriminates between different groups. This is a cause for much um, chaos and disharmony within those countries. And it doesn't really matter which political system those countries are under. Even under democracies, if the leader of that democracy, the, the president or the prime minister, doesn't have much uh, integrity in their hearts, then they'll cause a lot of chaos. So it's important for leaders to have the qualities of metta and karuna, of kindness and compassion, to have all of the brahmaviharas. Viharas, and if leaders do have these qualities, then they'll be able to um, allow problems to cease and to be able to bring the public affairs to peace. And the Buddha, even in his uh, previous lives, In some of those, he was born into this world as a human and he became a monarch, a great wheel-turning monarch. And he led uh, his empire through the Dhamma. And there was great prosperity and peace during that time because of the integrity of the Buddha. So having a good leader um, allows the world to be peaceful and allows the populace of that country to experience calm. But it's also important for all of us to train our hearts in these qualities, in kindness and compassion, in empathetic joy and equanimity. Because these four qualities of the heart, they take care of the four properties of our body, these four elements of earth, water, fire and air. We'll see that if our minds don't have these viharas, then it will be very easy for them to get stirred up. We'll get into bias and into uh, discrimination very easily. And this is a cause for anger to arise. When our hearts are very stirred up and hot and angry, then we won't experience any peace or ease in our bodies either. So there'll be both suffering within our bodies and also suffering in our minds. And none of us want to experience this, however. But the Buddha taught this in the Four Noble Truths, that there is a cause for suffering, that all phenomena in this world arise from a cause. He taught this to Venerable Anya Kondanya and the five ascetics, and that's what allowed them to see into the Dhamma and understand the Dhamma. Venerable Asaji was one of those ascetics, and he attained to being an arahant along with the other four. And he eventually went to teach Venerable Sariputta, the Dhamma, And when Venerable Sariputta asked him what he had learnt, he said that uh, whatever dhammas arise from a cause, the Buddha has taught that cause. And the cessation, the Buddha has taught that also. The problem, however, arises when we take those dhammas that come into being through a cause as self, we see them through this uh, lens of ego. But really all suffering and all happiness that we experience, they come from a cause. And when those causes are absent, then that anguish or that happiness will be absent as well. So really all of these feelings are anatta, they're not self. In the world now, there's a lot of information that's being suppressed, Um, information about many different kinds of things are being suppressed by governments. But this feeling of happiness or suffering, we're not able to suppress that in our hearts. When the causes for them to arise are there, then we will experience it. Another problematic area is that of memory. We remember a lot of different things. And when we don't like someone, then that sticks in our heads. And then we see them again. We see their face, and that immediately brings up aversion towards that person. Maybe this even came from a previous life, that we didn't like them in that life, and we just see them in this life, and we we dislike them. Or it could be from this present existence. And that also spreads to anyone who has similar characteristics to that person as well. If they look similar, then we don't like those people as well. And it's the same with those that we have affection for. If we see them or someone similar to them, then this brings up feelings of uh, happiness within us. But this is all just a matter of memory. And really the sanya or memory is something that arises, persists and then ceases. It just turns into a problem when we take it as being me and mine. So really this is where the crux of the issue lies. In taking things in terms of ego, in terms of a self, And problems are very quick to arise as well. So therefore, it's of utmost importance that we take up this practice of training our minds and bringing our minds to peace. It's hard to engage in this work and to develop in this way. And we'll notice quickly that the acts of generosity and of keeping our precepts is much easier. Even though it's difficult, still we should put in that effort and develop ourselves in this way every day. Some people have everything in life in terms of their external uh, possessions and surrounds. They've got a lot of wealth and everything's just, just right and there for them. But when it's like this, It's very often uh, or common that a fear of death will arise. Even though they haven't yet passed away, still they're afraid of that death here in the present moment. When any illness comes along, then immediately they start worrying that this is going to be the cause for their demise. They'll see that this fear arises because... They don't want to be separated from these things that they have, from all the things that they adore and love. And one very significant aspect of the things that we love is these bodies of ours. We have very strong attachments and affection towards them. So, really, experiencing fear isn't actually a problem. If we have a lot of fear or terror, worry um, present in our hearts, but we also have wisdom, then it's not a problem. It won't make any difficulties for us. And just like Venerable Ajahn Chah, he experienced great fear when he was staying in a charnel ground. And he took, he went so far as to taking his bowl as a friend but his mind was very firm and well collected to the point where deep wisdom could arise within him and so he asked himself what are you afraid of and the answer came up i'm afraid of death he then asked well where is it the place that you'll die that you won't die where is that and his mind responded that that place doesn't exist And everywhere it's possible to die. When he saw this, then the fear that was so deep there in his heart um, immediately vanished. And from that moment, he never experienced fear ever again. During uh, the time that Venerable Ajahn Chah set up his monastery, um, there was great fear in the province that he was in, in Ubon Ratchitani province, of the communists coming in to invade, because it's uh, right next to the border with Laos. But Venerable Ajahn Chah asked the people there, well, why are you afraid of these communists? Really, the communists have been there ever since we were born, meaning that these communists are death. That death has been waiting for us ever since we were born. So why are we fearing? Why are we worrying about it? If we're not at a point where wisdom is able to arise like this, then we should recollect the Buddha. Recollect that he had great discernment, that his banya was full, uh, to the point where he was able to become an arahant by himself. He had purity there in his heart. And if we are feeling uh, very deep terror, then we can recite Namotasa uh, bhagavato and recite this many, many times over and over again. Carry on doing it until uh, the fear is extracted from our hearts. Even though when we start chanting, that fear will be there and will persist for a time, as we go on, this... Uh, worry that we have will lessen and lessen. So we train ourselves like this. We cultivate our minds until we're able to bring them into peace, until we can collect them together, until they're well-grounded in samadhi. And a good method of doing that is through chanting. Just carry on chanting without stop. We carry on going through it, and especially if there's a lot of fear in our hearts. We just... Chant and chant without stopping. As we do this, then the thoughts that are present in our heart will start to change. And the proliferation that goes off into the past and future will diminish. Because we'll be thinking about the Buddha instead. And with this recollection of the Buddha, this is suitable for wisdom to arise as well. If we can, um, even though we are experiencing great fear, still it's possible for wisdom to come up. And really, the more fear that we have, then the brighter that wisdom will shine. And just like even in places that are very dark, say on a very dark night, but we have a flashlight with us, then no matter how dark it is, we'll still be able to see very clearly. And Venerable Ajahn Chah taught this as well, that even, he said, um, overseas and developed countries, even though people are very attached to the various sights and sounds and smells, all these um, sense objects, and they're very developed in that way, this creates great darkness in those countries. But because of that darkness, then this light will be even brighter and they'll be able to see even clearer than normal. And so Venerable Ajahn Chah, he was wise in this way. He could think in ways that other people wouldn't think. And due to his great wisdom, um, the Dharma was able to spread And he managed to set up branch monasteries, uh, starting off in England, and then spreading over to Italy and the United States, to Switzerland, Portugal, and now uh, recently in Brazil and uh, Norway, New Zealand, Australia. This was all because of the profound wisdom um, that Venerable Ajahn Chah had, who was a Savaka, an enlightened disciple of the Buddha. He was then able to spread the Dharma. So this is what the Buddha taught, that those people that, or those monks that he sent out to spread the Dharma, they were all Arahants. And it took that level of attainment in order for this dharma proliferation to succeed. So as we recollect um, the Buddha, the dharma and the sangha in this way, then fear is able to um, be diminished and uh, vanish from our hearts. We keep our minds here in the present moment by chanting a lot. And when we chant a lot, then the devas and the brahmas they'll come and take care of us. They'll protect us. So, recollecting the Buddha, then it's easy for joy and happiness to uh, manifest in our hearts. When we're very skilled at Buddha Nusati, then just reciting the word Buddha once can be enough to uh, fill up our hearts with peace and with joy, for them to gather together into samadhi. We should try to build up goodness every day and do this without fail. But sometimes it's not possible for us to, say, go and offer food to the monks. But in that instance, then we recollect the goodness that we've done in the past to the point where we feel full of that goodness. And if through this recollection we don't feel this inner fullness, then we need to train further and we need to develop more merit. Until we're able to bring up uh, a sense of fullness, until the joy of the merit that we've created uh, infuses our hearts. Until both our bodies and mind feel very light and buoyant. some lay people sit in meditation every day and they often go to the monastery to offer food and through this offering they're able to experience happiness in their heart throughout the entire day they build up a lot of merits in this manner and this merit then takes care of our hearts keeping them bright and light And this is a result of our good karma that we can see right here in this present moment, that the good actions that we create in the present moment, they bring us happiness here in the present moment as well. So we don't have to wait for these uh, results to appear. We can see them arising right here in our own hearts. And just if we're feeling very hot on a, on a boiling summer's day, and we go take a shower, then instantly we feel cool. So we don't have to wait for that coolness to appear. It comes right there. It's only if we're not observant enough that we won't see this. So then we have to come back and train even further. But really it's like if we're hungry today and we eat food today, then we will feel full today as well. If we're feeling hot and we go into a cool room, then that heat that's there in our bodies will dissipate. So the goodness that we create in our lives brings us happiness, both in this world and in the next world world as well. So the Buddha taught us to develop these things, to make a lot of merit, to uh, commit deeds that are skillful and wholesome, to devote ourselves to generosity and to keep within the bounds of moral, of moral precepts. And all of this is the good karma that we are creating. It's all, these are all very beautiful actions that bring us happiness and joy. So whenever we experience any, oh sorry, if even though we have this happiness and this uh, beauty within our hearts, if we have enough wisdom, then we'll be able to see that that's also unsure, it's inconstant. But those who lack wisdom will be afraid. They'll be afraid of being parted from the results of their good actions. But we see that life in this world doesn't last long. You know, there are many people who die when they're 60 years old, 70 years old. Most people die at around this age. And this is just how it is in the world this day. It's just that when we're born into this world, then we start taking possession of it. And we start thinking that, that this is me and these things are mine. But really all birth ends in death and we have no route to escape from that. Even though everyone who's born wishes to be able to escape from it. And it's similar to children who are playing together and they're inventing some business and selling many things, but it's all just playthings that they're selling. And they're using play money as well. But they're so happy. Um, they're playing with each other, playing this make believe business, gaining all this make believe money. And the adults are watching on and they're confused. Now, why is it that these children are so happy you know, and getting so involved in this, really believing in this? There's no essence to it. There's no truth to what they're doing. And just the same, you know, us humans, we're fighting over the things of this world and really giving all of the the wealth and this, the status in this world great importance. And the devas are looking down at us and they're thoroughly confused about what we're doing. They see that all of the wealth that we're competing for and fighting over, it's of so little value. If you can compare it with the wealth in the heaven, it's almost nothing. And devas are able to see that the Dhamma is of infinite more value. And it differs like this. The different realms see things in different ways. So the heart that knows clearly into these full noble truths, will understand that what's of true wealth and value is wisdom, is being able to see things in line with the truth. This is what bears greatest importance and gives us the most value to our lives. So we should put our effort forth in this way. We try to build up as much goodness to make as much merit as we can. And there are some people whose children have ordained. Maybe their children or grandchildren or uh, nieces, nephews, have come to ordain in the Buddhasasana. Maybe they're staying as monks for three months, six months, one year, five years, ten years. And so having... A relative who has taken on the robes um, allows us to become relatives of the Buddha Sasana. And having someone who is a part of our family who is ordained gives the whole family great benefit. And it allows us to extend the life of the Buddhist religion. And it's also true for all of us who are practicing the Dharma, putting our effort and our interest forth in this way, that we're all helping to extend the lifespan of the Sasana as well.